A Light to the Nations is a production of the Ephesus School Network. Hello and welcome. You are listening to A Light to the Nations. I'm your host, Father Fred Shaheen. The passage we are hearing today corresponds to the lectionary for Friday of the 33rd week after Pentecost, which in 2024 falls on January 26th. Let's hear the text of Luke chapter 21, verses 37 through 38, and chapter 22, verses 1 through 8. And in the daytime he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and stayed on the mountain called Olivet. Then early in the morning all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. In the last two verses of chapter 21, we hear that Jesus was teaching in the temple by day and staying on the mount called Olivet by night. In the prophet Zechariah, Olivet is depicted as the seat of the coming Lord. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two, from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north, and half of it toward the south. That's Zechariah chapter 14, verses 3 and 4. Later in the same passage, it says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. That's Zechariah 14, verse 16. Olivet, the other name for the Mount of Olives, is also named at the beginning of Acts, the second book of the Luke-Acts diptych. There it is the location of Jesus' ascension into heaven, and we are told, along with the men of Galilee, that this same Jesus will also come in like manner as he was seen going into heaven. But unlike Jesus' teaching, which in Luke 21 is said to be at daytime, that is, in the open, accessible to all, the Lord's return will be at midnight, that is to say, at an hour men do not expect. Therefore his servants are expected to watch and be ready. Thus the reference here at the end of chapter 21 to his staying on the mountain at night. 
We also hear that all the people came to Jesus in the temple to hear him. Luke reiterates that the chief priests and scribes sought to kill him, just as they wanted to lay hands on him after he had told the parable of the vineyard against them earlier, but did not, and for the same reason, they feared the people. Even when Judas decides to collude with them and deliver Jesus into their hands, he does so in the absence of the multitude. Thus, there is dissension between the people-slash-crowds and the religious leadership in the response of each to Jesus. Moreover, their desire to have Jesus put to death is mentioned by Luke immediately after he tells us that the Feast of Unleavened Bread was drawing near. This juxtaposition connects Jesus' death to the Passover sacrifice God commanded his people through Moses. The Greek word translated Passover, Pascha, appears 29 times in the New Testament. Often, as it does here in Luke, it refers specifically to the lamb that is sacrificed at Passover. Let's recall how this word first appears in Exodus, the second book in the law. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves, according to your families, and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning." For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you have come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be, when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. That's Exodus chapter 12, verses 21 through 27. It's worth pointing out that in this passage, the Lord fights for his people. It is he who struck the firstborn of the Egyptians, and he who delivered the households of the Israelites. In acceptance of this, the people are commanded to follow his instruction as delivered to them by Moses, upon hearing which, it says, in verse 27, they bowed their heads and worshipped. At the beginning of Luke chapter 22, we hear of the actions of Judas Iscariot, which contrast with that attitude of submission of the children of Israel we heard in Exodus. It is Judas who confers with the Jewish authorities and assists them in getting Jesus arrested. His name, Judah, links him to the Jerusalemite Jews. Moreover, he is said to be numbered among the twelve. Judas may be said to represent those zealots who pressured their leaders into taking military action against Rome and by extension against anyone who would associate with Gentiles. 
Such action is portrayed later in chapter 22 when they come out against Jesus as against a robber with swords and clubs. We hear that in verse 52. The additional phrase that Judas was numbered among the twelve underscores that this attitude of armed rebellion not only influenced the Jewish leadership, but was endorsed and even instigated by one from Jesus's inner circle. Judas's betrayal of Jesus appears in all four Gospels. In both Luke and John, we get the additional detail that Satan entered him. Satan, as the ultimate opponent to the Gospel, is mentioned a handful of times in Luke. One notable example is in chapter 10, after the 70 apostles return to Jesus after having been sent out, and they report to him that even the demons are subject to them in his name. There, Jesus tells them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky, and he redirects their joy away from wielding power over the enemy and toward the fact that their names are written in heaven. Then in verse 21, Jesus himself demonstrates true joy, giving thanks to God that in his wisdom he has made the saving power of the gospel accessible to all, even to Gentiles, obliquely referred to here as babes. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. In another passage exclusive to Luke, Jesus says the following to his chief disciple, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. That's Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. Luke seems to be playing with Satan's ability to influence the ones closest to Jesus. He may have succeeded in causing Judas to collaborate in the effort to have Jesus killed, but his attempt to destroy Simon Peter is apparently thwarted by Jesus through prayer. Remarkably, Jesus seems confident that even after Peter's threefold denial, which he predicts in the immediately following verse, he will not only return to the fold, but will be a source of strength to the others. It's interesting that Jesus' well-known rebuke of Peter, get behind me, Satan, does not appear in Luke in the passage where he confesses Jesus as the Christ of God. In many manuscripts of Luke, however, that same phrase appears verbatim in chapter 4 in Jesus' rebuke of the devil in the wilderness. A few verses later in chapter 22, we hear that Jesus goes, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. There he tells them twice, verses 40 and 46, to pray that they may not enter into temptation. And Jesus himself prays earnestly, expressing a complete submission to the will of his Father in classic scriptural terminology. If it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Luke twenty-two forty-two. Luke is the only evangelist that identifies the location of this prayer as the Mount of Olives. 
Finally, in verses 7 and 8 of Luke chapter 22, we hear that the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover must be killed. And Jesus sends Peter and John to go prepare for them the Passover that they may eat. Taking into account the purpose of celebrating the Passover, to remember the saving acts of God toward his people, it is significant that here Jesus entrusts the task of preparing it to Peter and John, two others who are numbered among the twelve. Here the word translated prepare is etimasote. It is used elsewhere in the Synoptic Gospels, chiefly to refer to Isaiah's prophecy of the forerunner, as in to prepare the way of the Lord to make his paths straight. If we recall how both Peter and John are identified by Paul in Galatians as pillars of the church in Jerusalem, then we can see them here as stand-ins for those Jews being given yet another chance to be faithful to the Passover. Instead of doing like Judas and inciting revolt and encouraging others to take up arms, they only need to submit to the Lord's instruction and let him strike the enemy and deliver his people. This concludes episode 34 of A Light to the Nations. I hope you've enjoyed listening today, and I look forward to meeting you again in two weeks. Thank you.